So today we're going to be continuing a message, right? We started last week a brand new sermon series, a message titled Four Hearts. Y'all say that with me, Four Hearts. And so we're going to be on this for the next couple weeks. And so as we started this message, as we dove deep into God's Word, we used Mark chapter 4. We found a parable that Jesus preaches and teaches. He's talking about the Word of God, how it is actually a seed. Somebody say seed. And based upon the fruitfulness of that seed, the Word of God is actually rooted in the truth of the type of ground that that seed falls on. As we studied it out, we see that Jesus is trying to drill down deeper. Jesus is pretty awesome. He's pretty smart. He's pretty wise. He's pretty cool. And so when Jesus says, pay attention, the Son of God, the Messiah, you better pay attention. And so we see that Jesus is not just talking about seed and ground. He's actually talking about our lives and our hearts. So we said last week that the condition of our lives actually reflects the condition of our hearts. Man, that's a mind-blowing statement, ain't it? Let me draw this out for you. Let me diagram this for you. So if my life is going really good, if I got a lot of things to be thankful for and, and happy about and, and proud about, it's probably because you have a healthy heart. God is cultivating something real and tangible and good and holy inside of you. Because I don't know about you, but Ian, apart from Jesus, is no good. So on the flip side of the coin, if, if I'm depressed, and this as we enter into this season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and the end of the year, there's people beyond, 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 beyond that are depressed and sad this time of year. But if I'm sad, if I'm angry, if I'm depressed, if, if my life's a mess, if no one likes being around me because I'm angry all the time, or people got to walk on eggshells around me because I'm just, I'm not walking in his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, just because there's something wrong with my heart. There's still good news. If that's you today, Jesus is above all that. We just have to take a moment, take the time to invite him into our lives. And I know this about Jesus. He's a skilled heart surgeon. And he wants to cut away those cold, callous, hard, dead places. And he begins to speak life and impart truth and impart love and all these things. And so let's look at Mark chapter 4. And, and for this, this week, we're just going to read chapters, not chapters, we're going to read verses 13 through 20. Last week we read... Verses 1 all the way through 20. But for time's sake, we're going to read just verses 13 and 20. And we're going to see that Jesus, he, he teaches in this parable that the condition of our hearts is directly related to how we receive God's word. So if the condition of my life reflects the condition of my heart, to change my life, I've got to change my heart. And the only way I can change my heart is to receive God's truth by his word. And so that's what Jesus is going to teach Amen. So let's, let's pick up there in verse 13. So Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand the other parables? He's saying, hey, you need to listen. I'm trying to, sp to speak and teach something deeper. Somebody say deeper. He says, The farmer plants seed by taking what? God's word. God's word is always the seed. 
He said, the seed that fell on the footpath. If you missed last week, I want you to underline that word if you're following along in your Bible. Footpath. That is a type of heart, a hard heart. What happens to a footpath? It gets trampled down. It becomes hard because it's been trampled, right? He said, it represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come once and take it right away. The seed can't take root because it's on a hard place. Verse 16, the seed that fell on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. I want you to highlight rocky soil. That's another type of heart that's going to represent a shallow heart. He says in verse 17, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. It doesn't have deep roots because it's a shallow place. It's a shallow ground. They fall away and soon have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Any problems in the house? Don't be shy. I got some problems, some issues, but only God can take care of. Staying on faith today. Verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns, I want you to highlight that thorns, is the third type of heart, a thorny, crowded place. Represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded. There's that word, by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil, I want you to highlight that. That's the other type of heart, good soil, an open, transparent heart to those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. Amen. So last week, and if you missed the, the message last week, you weren't here or you didn't get to watch online, I got good news for you. It's real simple and easy for you to catch up and watch that on our social media pages. You can watch it have it, but for time's sake, we can't dive too deep into it. We're not going to cover a lot of recap. But so we said last week that there's four types of hearts. The title of the message is Four Hearts, but did anybody even see the word heart in those verses? You didn't see it because it doesn't show up. Jesus is talking about something deeper. And so, but last week, if you missed it, I'll give it to you. We said there's, there's a hard heart, a footpath. That can't receive seed. There is a shallow heart, a heart that it actually bears fruit, but it doesn't bear fruit for long because the roots can't go deep enough. It's a shallow place. And then we said there's a crowded heart, and I believe this is really where we as a people, especially as a culture in America, are. We, We have crowded lives, crowded hearts. I don't make room for Jesus because I don't have room for anything else. I jam-pack my heart full of stuff. Jam-pack my schedule full of stuff. Jesus says if you want to have an awesome life, a blessed life, you got to make room for me. So we said the third, third type of heart was a crowded heart, a crowded place where the thorns come and snuff out the life of God. The third place, the fourth, fourth place, excuse me, is where we want to be. It's where I want to be. We want to have good soil. We want to have an open heart. A heart that's open to any and everything that God wants to do and say, where God wants to lead and take me. And that takes faith and it takes obedience. So we said last week, for you and for me, our dirt matters. Did somebody write that down last week? Our dirt matters. What type of dirt do you have today? Dirt that don't hurt somebody said. I like that. Where's your heart today? What condition is your heart in today? 
Does your heart before God look like a trampled down, hard footpath? It's hard. It's prideful. It's stubborn. It's hurt. It hurts others. You can't receive anything. You can't even receive a compliment because you're so offended with everything, everyone. I feel like we've got some footpaths in the house. Is your heart a shallow place? You only allow people to get so close to you for fear of what they actually might really learn about you to see the real you. You only, you only allow God to do so much in you because you believe, but you're so scared to take that next step of faith that says, I, I'm really going to do this, God. I'm really going to do this, Jesus. You have a shallow heart. You're bearing fruit, but you're not going to last. Or do you have a crowded heart? It, can you even hear truth? Are you just spinning your wheels? You know the truth, but you're, you, 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 you've, Jesus is, is not number one anymore. You, you, you've made so many other things number one in your life. And the Word of God can't take root, and you can't bear fruit because you're just going, going, going. You're crowded. You're, you live in a thorny life, thorny place. Or is your heart this morning, I hope there's somebody in here that says, you know what, I can... I can stand before the king today and say, I'm open to everything that he wants to say and do. No matter how hard it is, no matter how daunting it is, no matter how hard it looks. So our dirt matters to God. Let's look at that first point today. So what we're going to do today and next week is we're going to study out each type of heart. So I just gave all four of them to you. If you missed it last week, you didn't get to write them down. I hope you wrote them down today. But so the first one we're going to focus on today is that hard heart, that footpath that Jesus says. The footpath that can't receive seed because the enemy comes and steals it away. If, 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 you, if you scatter seed on a hard place, it can't, it can't take root, right? It can't go into the soil, and so it's just out there for the taking. And so if you have a hard place that you can't receive God's word, it's just out there. For the enemy to steal. That should make you mad. Right? But if I have a hard heart, I'm probably living in pride. And so I got to get past this prideful area that says, I need, to, I need to see, I need to trust God. But look what this first point says. It says, the first type of heart is a hardened heart. Right? The hardened heart is a person who has no place. Somebody say place. In their heart for the word of God. Satan comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. A hardened heart is really a deceived heart. I've gotten hardened because somewhere along the line I bought a lie. I've been deceived. We're going to see that a hardened heart is really a hurt heart and a, a prideful heart. But a hardened heart is a deceived heart. And when you're deceived, we have a tendency to reject everything. And so when somebody is living their lives this way, hurt, hardened, what do they do? And you can see it, and we can recognize it in other people, right? But we won't recognize it and see it in ourselves. But I kind of want to backtrack a moment. Any believers in the house? Look at all those hands. Praise God. Thankful for you. God loves you. If we want to really see people born again and saved and and transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, we got to get this. Because 
We can recognize in others when somebody's hurt, when somebody is living a hardened life, a hardened heart, right? This is the key to our breakthrough, to breaking through with them. We have to see that they're hardened because they're hurt. I will never be able to break through with them, convince them, and invite them that God loves them and is for them if I just play their game. Does that make sense? Because they're going to live in spite. They might name call. They might be hard to be around. But I have to find a way to invite them into the kingdom of God. And I can't do it by playing their game. We can't butt heads. I have to see past what they may currently look like and see what God says they can be. Come on, somebody. Amen. So we have to see that and recognize that as we are communicators of the gospel. But a, um, let me get back on track. Somebody who, who lives this way, they reject everything. And it's so, so sad to see because they're so hurt. They, they can't hear truth. They can't receive truth. Everything is, is against them. Everything, everybody's against them. Even if you told them God loves you, they're probably not going to receive it. They're probably going to get even more mad. And so how do we begin to love people this way? It's going to take the Holy Spirit. Y'all say with me? Holy Spirit, right? And really what's happened is, like I said, they've been hurt, and their hardened heart has become hardened, and even more hardened, and even more hardened, and the enemy continues to whisper lies. They're deceived. They're on the wrong path. They're not living right. And they get worse and worse and worse. And that's how the enemy works. He's very cunning. He's been doing it since the beginning. And so that's where I want to start today. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We find Adam and Eve in the garden. They are blessed. They have everything that they need. God said you can have everything except for one thing. And where did the enemy begin to start with that? One thing. And the enemy always wants to raise questionable doubt about what God said. So look at this. The serpent, the devil, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say? Let you marry down that for a second. Did God really say? You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. Some of us made a commitment along the way. Some of us believed in God for something along the way. Some of us have been in hard places. Some of us are in a hard place right now. Some of us are standing on a promise that I heard God say, that somebody prayed over me, that somebody prophesied over me. Some of us are in a desperate, depressing place. I'm confused about what God has said. And it's all because... Not that God's not good, not that God's not holy, not that God's not true, not that God's not perfect because he is. It's because we all entertain the little whisper of doubt that the enemy whispers into your ears. Did God really say this was going to get better? Did God really say that your husband or your wife is worth it? Did God really say that he's good? Do you really believe in this, Jesus? 
Do you really think you're going to get better? This is how he plays the game. And if I'm not careful, if I don't guard my heart, he'll corrupt my heart. And then when he corrupts my heart, checkmate, he corrupts my life. <laughs> hurt people, hurt people. Y'all ever heard that? That's where we're at culturally, guys. Deceive people, hurt confused people, lashing out, hurting more people. And instead of God's creation being on the cycle of life, <laughs> we're on a cycle of death. The enemy perverts every good thing of God. And so God speaks, God says, and the enemy perverts and twists to raise questionable doubt. Has God really said? Look at Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Right after Jesus is baptized by his cousin John the Baptist, his ministry really begins to take place. He first goes into the desert for 40 days and for 40 nights fasting and praying. At the tail end of the 40 days and 40 nights, the enemy comes at, when Jesus is probably at his physical weakness. He's the son of God. I don't believe he's ever weak, but physically he lived in a body like yours and like mine. Can you go 40 days and 40 nights without eating something? I said probably not. Tell your neighbor probably not. <laughs> right? And so, but I want you to see who believes in this, the word of God. If, if you believe in it, man, you got to start using it. Because this is our only offensive weapon, and look how Jesus defeats the enemy, defeats the, the serpent, the devil. It says, and Jesus was led to the spirit of wilderness to be what? Tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. That's probably an understatement. He's probably very hungry, <laughs> right? Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God command these stones to be bred. Jesus could probably do that. He could have done that day one. But he answered them, it is written. I want you to highlight that. You better star that. You better underline that because that's how you get out of the darkness and you're transported into light. You have to respond with, no, it is written. But if I'm not in this, I don't know what is Right, he says, "It is written, ye shall live by bread alone, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." In Mark four, Jesus equates God's word as a seed. In John one one, it says, "In the beginning was the, and the word was." That's referencing Jesus. The devil tried to tempt the word. <laughs> he is the word. It's who he is. We're to be Christians, Christ-like. If I'm supposed to look like the Word, that means I probably better know the And here's the thing. If you don't know the Word, the enemy will steal your identity. What was the devil trying to do? Get Jesus to question his identity. If you're the Son of God, it may sound like this to you on Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning. If they really love you over there at Liberty Church, Holly Pond, they'd have done this, 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 and this. If God really loves you, he'd have done this for you already. And if you don't respond, no, it is written. 
God is with me, I shall not fear. God is for me. He'll stay in dead, dark places. And so we find if the enemy wants to steal our identity, you got to know that you find your worth, get this, in the Word. Where do I find my worth? In the Word. Where do I find my worth? Where do you find your worth online? In the Word. Put it in the chat. Word. In the Word. I find my identity in Christ with what God has said. you got to know who you are. When you know who you are, I guarantee God will begin to tenderize. Anybody tracking with me? Your heart. You'll be loving because you'll know that you're loved. You'll be quick to forgive because you know that you're... Right? God wants to tenderize those hard places. Look at that next point. So it says, a hardened heart is one that's been hurt. Kind of covered that a little bit. Dive a little deeper here. It's been wounded, disappointed. It's believed lies of the enemy and has allowed unbelief to harden itself against God. A person living this way must believe again, must renounce the lies by accepting the truth of God's word. I know this, before a heart becomes hard, it becomes hurt. Before a heart becomes hard, it becomes hurt. Every single person on the face of the planet has been hurt, disappointed, discouraged, offended, confused. All of these are opportunities for us to be reclusive, be more reclusive, reject God, and begin to do my own, take my own path, do life my own way, or an opportunity to accept that I'm not God, and to trust in the God. So we've all been hurt. Every single person has been hurt, and that's why we need a God. Do you see that? Because a world without God is a scary, dangerous place. And our world and our culture is trying to do everything that it can to kick God out of everything. So imagine why so many kids are lost, hurting, confused, more confused than they should be, when the answer all along is more Jesus. So we think our world's hurt and confused now. If we continue along this path, the more hurt and more confused it's going to become. But if you read your word, we shouldn't be alarmed by this because it says he's coming back. So is your heart right with God today? Somebody say today. Because if your heart's right today, then God can use you to help get other people's hearts right today. God does the supernatural thing, but he wants us to be invested in his business. He wants us to come alongside the kingdom of God and say, God, use me. Use me. Let me be a vessel for your goodness. Let me be a vessel for your your good news and your promises, right? Before a heart becomes hard, it becomes hurt. A person that lives that way, they, the only way you get out of that is you got to renounce the sin. you got to renounce the lies, and you have to agree with God. 
Because a hard heart's a prideful heart. Y'all know Satan is pride. And so as long as I'm living a prideful life, I'm walking in agreement with who? With lies, with Satan. You know, you can't, it says in the word, you can't walk in agreement with two people at the same time. You can, I mean, they're walking in agreement with God, who he says that I am, or I'm walking in agreement with the devil, the enemy. And so I have to break one and run to the other. And that's the only way God can, that's how I invite God in. That's how he begins to come in and tenderize our hearts and speak truth to us and illuminate the issues of life for us. And so look at Hebrews 3, 12. It says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. What? Turning you away. Turning you away from the living God. If I'm not in agreement with God, I'm in agreement with the enemy. And when I'm in agreement with the enemy, I'm turned away from God. Repent means to turn around. It means a lot of things. One thing it means is I'm going this way. I'm in agreement with the enemy, the world, myself, my sin, my Satan. And now if I repent, I turn, and now I'm going this way. I'm believing in something greater. I'm believing in something bigger. I believe in truth. He says, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. God says, examine our hearts. If I believed a lie or allowed evil to control me, I got to repent from those habits. I got to repent from those mindsets. I got to repent from that heart condition. And guess what? God's faithful to forgive. You know what says he casts your sins as far away as from the east as from the west? You know God has the ability to forget your sins if you truly repent. Man, that's some good news. What if God's already forgiven you? You are sincere in that repentance. But you keep, let, you keep holding on to that thing. That when you repent, you got to let that thing go. You keep coming and asking forgiveness. Keep coming and asking forgiveness. You keep coming and asking forgiveness. And maybe God's... Sitting on his throne of glory, he's like, what are you talking about? Get in your word. See if he says that. Don't just take my word for it. It says that he has the ability to forget your sins. He wants to rectify you and build you up. Equip you and send you to places you can't even think or imagine for his glory. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Who knows this one? Right? What does it say? Guard your above all else. For what? Determines your course. Why do I have to protect my heart? God says, because it determines my course. If I don't guard my heart from things that are evil, from lies, from the world, from People that really mean no good to me, that actually mean harm and that are just using me. People that really don't care about me. People that are going to not speak truth to me, but speak more lies to me. If you don't guard your heart, it will determine the course of your life. God says, guard your heart. God says, put me in my place in your heart. Let me help you, let me, let me guide you, and let me speak to you and teach you, right? Amen. So we're, 
That's all we're going to hit on the hard heart today. Let's look at the next one. So at a hard heart, the second type of heart we're going to talk about today is the shallow heart. It says the person who has no spiritual depth to their life, excuse me, the word of God never fully takes root because their heart is shallow and rocky. They acknowledge God only, somebody say only, when they need something. They don't truly abide in him or in his word. I know this about a shallow or shallow heart. It leads to a shallow life. It doesn't just lead to a shallow life, it leads to a shallow faith. The thing about a shallow heart, according to Jesus in Mark 4, is that it actually does bear fruit for a moment. You open your heart just enough to believe and receive, but as soon as the enemy attacks that word, attacks that promise, or life happens, you know, life just happens, that seed's stolen because you begin to try and fix it, do it your way instead of God's way. And it's in those moments where God says, I want you to lean into me instead of turning and running back to the devil. You believe it gets hard and then you run back to Facebook. You believe on Sunday and it gets hard and you run back to that ungodly relationship. You believe and then you doubt and you run to other things instead of running to God. I know this is about a shallow heart. It's often an impatient heart. A shallow heart often has a lot of fires going at once. They're ones that are really excited to start the new thing. They get real excited for like a day or a week or a month. And then they get another fire going. They get excited about this thing. And what happens? They're spread out beyond God's call them to spread out. They didn't think about it. They didn't pray about it. They was just excited. It sounded good. It sounded fun. And then when it got hard, they just shut it down. I'll just start the next thing. So a shallow heart almost always never finishes anything. And they never finish anything because they have shallow roots. The key is abiding in Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine. You know what's cool about a vine? It's almost like a root system above ground. Everything is connected to everything. And if you abide in the vine, he says, you'll bear much fruit. And so the key for somebody who has a... A shallow heart, there's hope, is the key is abiding in Christ, thinking and praying before you begin things, thinking and praying before it gets hard, or you think it gets hard, and abiding in Jesus. Look at John 8, 31. We're going to read 31, 32. It says, then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my what? Word. There's that word again. The word is the word. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples, indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Who the Son sets free is? Sounds like we got some free folks today. When you see that, know that, recognize that, why would you turn from that? Why would you reject that? That's a good question. I don't know the answer. But we have a tendency to do it over, perpetually, over and over. 
And over again, God's like, just abide in me. He never said it was going to be easy, y'all. Following God is oftentimes some of the hardest things. He'll take you through some of the, the craziest places, but if you abide in Christ, you'll be victorious. Right? Truly abiding in God's word goes beyond just seeking him when I need him to fix something that I messed up. His word sets us free regardless. He's answered that prayer or not. In worship this morning, if you're online, you missed it. We talked about the waiting place. And so if you're in your word every single day and you're in a waiting place right now, believing you're not where you was, but you're not where you believe God wants to take you, you have to wait and believe. And so if you're in your word every single day and you abide in Christ and you abide in his word, you know you're victorious regardless if God has answered that prayer yet or not. We need to be washed by the renewing of his word, the renewing of our minds. Truly abiding in God is more than just going to God when I need him to fix something that I messed up. Somebody who lives a shallow life, a shallow faith, just comes to God whenever they need help. God, help me. Come to God like he's a genie. And they, come, they, they, they see God that way because their heart is shallow. They don't see that God is more than that. He is more than just answered prayer, fancy things. He's, he's relationship. He wants to have relationship with us. Let's look at John 15, 4 through 5. He says it again, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Do y'all believe that? Then why do we do that? We think, oh, I can... I can do this. I'll get this figured out. I know the secret. I know how to get this done quicker and faster at work. You, you just spin your gears and it doesn't work out and you find yourself mad and angry. and Probably all because we didn't invite God into the problem, the situation. And I'm more frustrated than I ever could have been, would have been if I just would have at first, somebody say first, said, God help me. Instead of waiting until I did it my way, then I ask him for help. God says, if you abide in me, you'll lack nothing. God says to somebody who has a shallow heart today, if you abide in me, I can turn your shallow heart, get this, get this, get this, lean in, listen, into an abundant heart. I said, he said, he can turn your shallow heart into an abundant heart. He said, if you abide in the vine, you'll bear much fruit. He wants to take the fruit that you have already and multiply it. But you got to trust him. you got to do it his way. And you have to abide in him and not in other people, places, and things. Abide in him and in his word. Look at that next point. Says a shallow heart never produces lasting. Somebody say lasting. Lasting fruit because when trouble or persecution comes, it falls away and follows its own emotions, circumstances, and the path of least resistance. 
The person, this person, must choose to abide in Christ, commit to God's word, and fight for a fruitful life. A shallow heart is almost always defeated because they only allow themselves to go so far. Before it gets too hard, before doubt comes in, it gets too hard. They only allow people to get so close because they're not abiding in God. Right? When trouble and persecution comes, they fall away. When the emotions come, they fall away. When the circumstances come, they fall away. When the path of least resistance comes, they say, oh, this looks easier. The easiest path is not always God's path. So a shallow heart is almost always defeated. It can't stand because its capacity is limited. And its capacity is limited because its roots are shallow. And so when the things begin to get loaded upon them, some by life, if we're honest, probably a lot of things that we put there ourselves that God didn't put there. I I pile it on myself. And my capacity to believe and live in faith is limited because I have a hard, shallow heart. And God says, I can break the limitations off of your life. I can set you free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed if you abide in me and in my word. To have real victory in our lives, it will take a deep heart rooted in Christ and in the love of God. You got to be rooted in Christ, and you got to be rooted in the truth that is the love of God through His Son. Look at First uh, John five four through four through five. It says, "For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world: our faith. He who is overcomes the world, and he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who likes to win?" The key to your victory is Jesus. Imagine that. Ding, ding, ding. You already knew that. I just spent 35 minutes talking to you about that. Something you already knew. But why don't you, what would happen if you, if you went from knowing that to tapping into that? Not just from knowing that and tapping into that, but abiding in that. God doesn't want you just to know. He wants you to abide and believe. The key to a healthy Heart is a good relationship. The key to a healthy, loving, growing heart is your relationship with God through His Son by means of the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 John 5.21. Another theme of Gardener Hearts. He says, Dear children, please keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Anything that might take place in your heart in God's place. Anything that you put in your heart that is God's place kills, steals, and destroys. It won't satisfy, it won't live up, and it'll probably lie to you. It might seem good for a while, but it will always defeat you. There is a place in every single person's heart that is specifically designed for God. We got Thanksgiving on Thursday, we said, right? Who gets together with the fam? 
You might get all the generations and the cousins and the extended family. And I hope you get to do that this week. You get the place all fancy and set up, right? Chairs. And if you got grandpa or maybe the, the dad's the head of the family, there's, everybody has a place, right? That's dad's chair. Hey, that's Papa Larry's chair. Don't touch Papa Larry's chair. Right? If, if so, we got, we, got, we got problems, right? That's a chair of honor, a chair of significance. There's a place in your heart that is Jesus' chair. Jesus' place. So let me step on some toes for a moment. Can I do that? What right now, currently, is setting in his place? What have you put in Jesus' chair? Is it sin? Is it anger and offense? Have you placed your spouse in Jesus' chair and they're not satisfying because you made them your God? Is it your kids? Can we have the lights dim down? I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and Keep listening to me and get to a place of intimate prayer. We get ready to close. So I pray right now the Holy Spirit would show you Jesus' chair in your heart. Holy Spirit, I pray you would illuminate the hearts today in the sanctuary. What do our hearts look like? Are they a hardened footpath? Are they in shallow, rocky soil? Is it a crowded, thorny place? Is it an open place? God, are you, are you enthroned upon our hearts? Do you have the place of honor in our hearts? And if not, forgive us. If you say, Pastor Ian, I've, I got something in Jesus' place right now but I want to make it right. I want to rectify that right now. I want you just to lift your hands. Say, hey, I want to make Jesus number one. Amen. There are hands going up. Honest hands. Thank you. Keep them up. Don't keep them up for me. Keep them up for God. He sees your hands. He sees your faith. Thank you. Pray for you. God, I thank you for those sincere hands. I pray right now by your spirit, you would seal them as children of God. You would, you would, uh, they would see that you're not mad at them. You're not even angry with them. You're actually jumping up for joy that they want to commit their hearts to you. God, and as a sanctuary, we just release our lives and our hearts to you right now to work, to revive, to tenderize in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for those hands, my Lord. Last thing I want to do before I close is if you're here today and Jesus Christ is your Lord, He's your personal Savior, you have relationship with Him, I want you to pray for the lost right now. If there's somebody Maybe here today, somebody in the world that doesn't know Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior. And I want you to pray for them. And the flip side of that, if you are here today and you say, Pastor Ian, man, today's message was for me. God is dealing with my heart right now. He's not my personal Savior. He's definitely not Lord of my life because I just do whatever I want when I want. I say whatever I want whenever I want. I don't care if I hurt people, but something you said inspired me to want to make a change today. I, I want to pray to accept Jesus. I want to pray to change my life, and He can do it, I promise you. He changed my life. 
I was a sinner, dead, dying, going to hell, and he changed my life, praise God. I believe somebody's going to accept Christ today. So if that's you today, you say, I want to make that prayer. I want to ask you to do something. It's going to take faith. It's going to take guts. But what I want you to do is, no one's looking at you, but I want you to stand up right now. Physically, stand up wherever you are right now. The least you can do, if God is speaking directly to you, dealing with your heart, and you can hear his voice, the least you can do is stand up because he died and bled on a cross for you. So don't let the enemy whisper into your ear and say, oh, you can, you're good. Oh, what are they going to think? Oh, you can say a little prayer when you get home. No, make this a holy moment that says, no, I stand for Jesus. Amen. If you want to change your life, I'll give you a few more seconds. If you're watching us online, put something in the chat. Say, hey, I'm going to make that prayer. I'm with you, Pastor Ian. I want to to pray that prayer with you today. Give you a few seconds to do that. Amen. Amen. Well, no one is physically standing here in our sanctuary, but somebody could be making this decision online. So I want to lead us on a prayer. Let's uh, say it together loud and proud. Y'all repeat after me, okay? goes like this. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We accept your son, Jesus. We believe that he is Lord and Savior of my life. I confess that he is my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. And redeem my future. Send your Holy Spirit to help me. Lead me and guide me until you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good stuff, man. I don't know about you. I'm glad I came to church today. Anybody else? Yeah? Good, man. It's good to see you guys. We're so glad you came, okay? Y'all are officially dismissed. We love you. And have a good, safe Thanksgiving.